0: Amen. Guess what our title is today? Hey Jude. Jude. Guess what our passage is today? The letter of Jude. It is the letter right before the book of Revelations. Uh, You need to hear this message today. Can you say amen? Amen. I hope you have enjoyed our summer mixtape series. Today concludes it. And I'm preaching from the letter of Jude. It has nothing in common with the song, Hey Jude. Excel for the title. <laughs> Reading out of the New Living Translation, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now that's important because we're going to come back to it in just a moment. I'm writing to all of you who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. How many will receive that today? Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else. He had intention of doing one thing, But because of the necessity of what was happening, the Lord told him to write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once and for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. Notice how the New Living Translation puts this wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they have denied our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, I believe this letter to Jude has a prophetic message for us today. It's a word for the now, a word for the 21st century. Open our hearts to receive and give us ears that would hear. And Lord, I pray, I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to our heart, bring change and transformation to our lives. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. The letter of Jude is a one chapter letter written to believers who are having to deal with teachings that are contrary to the gospel of Christ, the true gospel of Jesus. This really has a familiar ring to it, right? We are living in an era where the gospel of Jesus Christ is being challenged. In essence, people, even churches, have created a gospel that does not speak against Sin, a gospel that does not confront any lifestyle issues, a gospel that accepts anything you do without change and they call it love. This letter contains a call to action by the believers. Jude tells us that these false teachers and their doctrines have crept in like a slithery snake making his way into one's house. Most of us realize that Satan works in very deceptive ways. And the letter of Jude confidently proclaims the faithfulness of God. And church, it is important especially in apostate times, to remember the faithfulness of God. For he who has called you is faithful. He is faithful to his promises. He is faithful to his people. He is faithful to his church. And he is faithful to his plan of salvation. And when you know the one you are serving is faithful and has been faithful, then you can stand against the strategies of uh, the enemy. When you know that he is faithful, then you can put on the whole armor of God. When you understand his faithfulness, then you can fight the good fight of faith and war a good warfare. Because you know God will not abandon you. You understand God will not leave you. God will sustain you by his grace. God will empower you by his spirit. And God will fill you with his anointing. And what we need in this 21st century is a church by the grace of God, living out the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need a church empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we need some people full of the anointing of God. And I believe you are such people today. You'll notice in your notes the first thing we'll talk about are the opening words of this letter of Jude. Notice he says, I am a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. And I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. Now notice how he identifies himself. I think it's important because it sets the tone for the rest of the letter. It also helps us to catch the heart of of this letter written To the church. He says, I am a brother of James. James was the leader of the early church of Jerusalem. We also know James as the half-brother of our Lord, Jesus Christ. His mom was Mary. His dad was Joseph. This would make Jude a brother of Jesus. Same mom, same dad. But he does not rely upon that title to give him credence, to give him authority. Notice what he relies upon to give him authority. I am a, write this word, servant. The literal translation of that word is bond slave. I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm thinking just like I think often as I do. Now, if I'm writing the letter, I'm saying, hey, you know who I am? Hey, Jude. (laughs) I'm the brother of Jesus, the physical brother of Jesus. But what gives Jude authority and what gives his letter such weight is he doesn't rely upon position, doesn't rely upon title, but he relies on the fact that he comes underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. Who actually is his physical relations, but he says, I am a servant of Jesus, can I tell you what will give you authority and what will give you credence with those around you is when they recognize you come under the authority of the great I am. You come under the authority of Jesus Christ. You are a servant first. And this is so important for us to understand in today's culture. Paul writes to the church of Corinth. That Jesus was seen by James and later by all the apostles after his resurrection. We know from Acts chapter 1 verse 14 who are gathered in the upper room. Says the 12 apostles were there. Mother uh, Mary the mother of Jesus and some other women. And then his brothers are there in the upper room. At some point, theologians believe that if Jesus revealed himself to James, his half-brother, he undoubtedly revealed himself to his family, to his brothers. Because we know before his death, they did not believe in him. Matter of fact, they ridiculed him. They chided him. They, 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 they prodded him. But after the resurrection, we see they come underneath the lordship of Christ. And James was martyred because of his faith in Christ. And here's Jude. He's writing a letter and he refers to himself as a servant, one who comes under the authority of another. Now, who is he writing to? He says, I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. Now notice this description, because it's important, because it's who you are. He's writing not to a specific church, but he's writing to believers, and he describes them by three different ways. Write these words. He describes them as the called by God, loved by God, and thirdly, kept by God. Beloved, I want to remind you today, you are called by God. I want you to hear this. You are loved by God. Oh, but you need to understand you are kept by God. You are kept by his grace. You are kept by his love. You are protected by him. Uh, Some of you feel worn out. You feel overwhelmed by life. You feel overwhelmed by circumstances. But you are kept by God. This is who we are as the people of God. It's imperative in these evil days to know who you are. You are called, you are loved, and you are kept by God. Which brings us secondly to the charge. Write that word charge. Dear friends, Jude writes, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else So what we know is he had a subject to write about. And I don't know if you've ever preached, you like to preach things that just really encourages, that really just builds people. It just really just gives people excitement. And you love to preach about those things, but sometimes it's needful to preach about other things, things that are important, things that are imperative, things that are affecting us in our culture, things that are affecting us in our life. So we know from his own admission that Jude, the brother of our Lord Jesus, wanted to write about salvation, about the freedom and deliverance that we have in Christ and that we all share. Now this is a powerful subject by itself because here is his actual brother talking about salvation through Christ. One who didn't believe in him, one who didn't accept his, his, his teachings and, but before his death and resurrection, but now he's had his own encounter. He's had his own experience, and he says, I want to I talk to you about salvation. But there's something more pressing. Write that word, pressing. There's something more needful. Something that is important. Bruce Barton writes this. He probably decided to write to encourage believers. However, an urgent concern about false teaching caused him instead to write this letter denouncing the false teachers and appealing to Christians to contend for the faith. It's a pressing need to defend. The faith. Notice how the word says it. I want to write about something else urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. Defend the faith. The King James, the old English, uses the word contend for. Kenneth Woost writes, the exhortation was to earnestly contend for the faith. The faith here is not faith as exercised by the individual, but Christianity itself in its historic doctrines and life-giving salvation. To earnestly contend, found only here in the New Testament, it simply means this, to contend like an athletic contest. And the word speaks of vigorous, intense, Determined to struggle to defeat the opposition, to defend something, to hold your ground, to understand what you know, to understand what you believe, to understand the belief of Christianity. Jude says there's false teachers that have crept in, and it's important that you know how to contend for the faith. Now, the only way you can contend for something, you have to understand the nature thereof. Uh, And he's talking about the doctrine of the gospel of Christ. He's speaking about the doctrines of the apostles and the early church, the sinless life of Christ, the all sufficiency of Jesus, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He says, contend earnestly for the faith. Now, this phrase really got me as I was studying this letter. And it says that God has entrusted to his holy people. God has entrusted you and I with the gospel of Christ. Don't mishandle it. Don't water it down. Don't change its message. Defend it. Contend for it. Protect it. Paul writing to the church of Rome says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Understand why must we contend for the faith? Why must we protect the gospel? Because it is the only thing by measure where we are saved. It's the power of God to bring salvation. It's the power of God to bring healing. It's the power of God to bring reconciliation. It's the power of God to heal brokenness. It's the power of God to bring reconciliation and relationship. It's the power of God that gets you from earth to heaven. It's the only way by which your sins are forgiven. Contend for the faith. Defend the gospel. Now this really hit home to me. This really spoke to me that has been committed to his holy people. God has committed this message to the church. God has committed this message to you. And just as the early church contended for the gospel to make sure there was sound doctrine, to make sure that, that salvation through Christ was not watered down, so in the 21st century, you and I must contend for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must guard this gospel from being watered down. We must defend the gospel from heretical teachings. We must proclaim this gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel, the gospel the church preaches today must be the same gospel the early church proclaimed in its day. Jude emphasized the important relationship between correct doctrine and true faith. Correct correct doctrine and true faith. Contend for the faith. Why? Notice verse 4. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches. They have wormed their way. Now, in our no offense society, in our culture of not offending someone, I appreciate how Jude addresses this. We might would say something like, well, their well-intentioned gospel is misdirected. But notice what Jude says. He calls a spade a spade. And he says, ungodly people have wormed their way in. The Old English says, certain men have crept in unnoticed. The NIV says, for certain men have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality. So how have they wormed their way in with the message of saying, the gospel makes no demands on you. The gospel does not cause you to change You're just saved by grace. Keep living in the way you've been living. God loves you. God's grace is there for you, and you're okay. That is no gospel of all. The gospel of Jesus Christ calls you to be like Jesus. It calls you to live like Jesus. You're you're in the world, but you're not of the world. He's called you to come out of some stuff. He's called you to quit lying. He's told you to quit stealing. He's called you to quit sleeping with your neighbor and quit doing this and living in morality. He's called you to quit lying one to another. And he says follow Jesus Christ. Live your life like Jesus lived. That's the gospel of Christ. It demands something of you. It causes a a change. Now listen to me. If you come every week and you're excited about what the preacher preaches, sometimes I might not be doing my job. Because when I read the word, it offends. When I read the word, it challenges me. When I read the word, sometimes it cuts me. Oh, just like a gangster. Did you hear me? The word of God will cut you with like a knife. The word of God will do surgery on you. The word of God will confront your attitude. The word of God will confront your lifestyle because he loves. You and he's calling you to something greater, he's calling you higher. Woo, we live in a culture, oh, church. I got a series coming talking about offense, I can't wait to preach it. <laughs> Woo. It's kind of like that sermon title Your Butt is a Little Too Big. <laughs> I've been working on that sermon for years. God called me to do that, but I I just can't. See, some of you thought I was talking about your neighbor. I was not talking about your neighbor. I'm talking about your own words. Come on, somebody. What are they saying? God's grace allows you to live immoral lives. That's false. That's incorrect. It's not a gospel at all. Matter of fact, hear the words of Jesus, John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. The writer of Hebrews says, 12, 14, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Work at living a holy life. It doesn't come natural. (laughs) Did you hear me? It doesn't come natural. You got to work at it. But he says, without holiness, you shall not see the kingdom of heaven. Chapter 12, verse 14, that same book, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Without what? Without holiness, holiness. Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, chapter 5, verse 5. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now... You have the light of the Lord. So live as people of the light. Did you hear the word? Did you hear the doctrine? Did you hear the teaching of the new church? Live as children of the light. You've been called out of darkness. You have nothing to do with darkness any longer. Live in the light as he is light. Somebody giving praise. Oh, let me give you one more. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not obeying or, or, or is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. If you refuse to live a holy life, a righteous life, if you refuse to follow the teachings of Christ, you're not... Rejecting human teaching, you're rejecting God. Now, Jude says these false teachers have come in, they crept in, they wormed their way in, and this is what they're saying. Ah, God's grace has got you. Keep living that immoral life, keep living like you're doing. You know what Jude says? They're ungodly people, and judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. This is a message that a lot of people don't want to hear today, that we're going to give an account for our life, that the ungodliness around us is going to be dealt with and judged verse 5 of Jude I want to remind you though you have already know these things that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt who did Jesus but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful he brought them out of Egypt but there was a sect of them that continued to disobey him and living unbelief guess what he destroyed them there's judgment let's go on to hear what he says I remind you of the angels who did not stay within the limits of authority God gave them, but left the place where they belong. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. Waiting for what? The great day of judgment. There are a portion of fallen angels that are still held in prison, held in chains, awaiting for the final judgment where, where hell will be taken and thrown into the lake of fire. You remember the, uh, the demon, the man who was chained, and, and, and Jesus delivered him. And, and, and the demoniac spoke and says, don't judge us before our time. Let us go into the swine. And Jesus permitted them to go into the swine and the pigs, and they ran over the, the cliff, and they all died. Remember that? Remember what they said? Are you here to judge us before our time? Judgment is coming. Don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of eternal fire of God's judgment. They serve as a warning. Now Jude says, but don't be surprised because the apostles predicted this was going to happen. They predicted that false teachers... Would come in Acts twenty verse twenty eight. Paul was writing and talking to the leadership of the Church of Ephesus. Guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, His Church, purchased with His own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Some of these men are from your own group, will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Peter writes this, chapter 2, 2 Peter. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you today. False teachers saying, the gospel makes no demand of you. Just love everybody. Stay in the same life you found Christ in. That's not a gospel. Jesus said, Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Some resist this, some are resisting this because we have bought into the lie of the culture. If you love me, just accept me. If you love me, who are you to judge me? Who are you? Who are you to put your your thoughts over on me? Paul said preach the gospel. Yeah. Paul told Timothy, be ready in and out of season to give an account of the hope that's within you. It's important, church, that we preach the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. So how do you contend for the truth? My time is running out. Hold forth, sound doctrine. Live a life of righteousness. Shun darkness. Run from immorality. Develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Know the Word of God. Know the historical teachings of the apostles and the church. Understand these things. Which brings us to our final point. What is our responsibility? What is our responsibility? Verse 20, dear friends, you must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. You must show mercy to those who... Whose faith is wavering, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. So what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to build each other up. Our responsibility is to encourage one another in this faith. Stay true to the faith. Stay true to the teachings. Stay true true to, to sound doctrine. One translation says building yourselves up. And there's some truth to this. It's important that we learn to build ourselves up, to encourage ourselves. Sometimes we come, we want the preacher to build us up. We want the, 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 our mentors to build us up. We want our coaches to build us up. We want our friends to build us up. But there are times when you're going to be by yourself. And you got to learn to build and encourage yourself in the teachings of the Lord Jesus. Encourage yourself in the Word of God. Now, now, write this. you got to pray. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love this. The Old English says, hey, Building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That seems to be the translation that is here. That the way you build yourself up is you pray in the Holy Spirit. You pray in that language that God has given you. You have to learn to develop a prayer life. What's going to cultivate the authentic relationship for the anointing of God is if you learn how to commune with the Lord. You commune with God through prayer. Now, pray when you drive. I get it. Pray when we come together as a corporate. It's important. But can I tell you what gives corporate prayer the fuel? Personal private prayer. Fuel for corporate prayer is found in personal private prayer. It's imperative that you find a quiet place, that you find areas where you get alone from everybody else by yourself and you talk with God. You speak with God and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And in those moments you will be built up. In those moments you will be encouraged. And then when we come together we're bringing that that we have already experienced. And guess what? It's like electric. It's like an explosion when we come together. The power of God is found among us. Because we've already tasted him through the week. And we come Sunday to experience his goodness. Can you say amen? Wait for the return of the Lord. Expect the return of the Lord. Jude says this, hey... I wanted to write to you about this salvation. I wanted to to write about this same salvation we all share. But I found something more pressing. Contend for the faith. Contend for the faith because there are false teachers who have wormed their way in, who have turned the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ into lasciviousness, the old English. In essence, saying it's okay to live immoral lives. Church, this is a prophetic message for the 21st century. We're living in a time of darkness. Men marrying men, women marrying women. We're living, and just when we didn't think it could get any darker. Now they're trying to pass laws where a nine-year-old and 10-year-old can choose the sex that they want to be and don't even have to tell the parents and doctors can, 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 can perform those things. Church, the world is after your family. The world is after your children. We must contend for the faith. We must defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. We must pray. We must build each other up. And we must stand for righteousness and holiness. We must stand for biblical truth. We must declare what thus saith the Lord is to a a generation that doesn't want to hear it. So, don't be surprised if they don't clap for you. Don't be surprised if they don't come and give you flowers. Don't be surprised if they don't come encouraging you because they don't like the message. But the truth of the gospel must be contended for. Now, what is our responsibility? Write this show mercy to those who are struggling in their faith. This is so important. Show mercy to those who are struggling, who are wavering. Let's be honest. We all have been there where we have wavered and where we have struggled. That's not the time to kick them. It's not the time to beat them up. It's not the time to scold them. It's the time to reach out to them and to love them. He said, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy still to others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Musicians are coming. I want to read this out of the paraphrase because it catches the meaning of the message. Hear this. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. The sin itself stinks to the high heaven. I need to read this again Be tender with sinners, but not soft on sin. I'm afraid there's portions of the church that's gotten soft on sin. Yeah. We're afraid to talk about the sin. We're afraid to talk about the cross. We're afraid to talk about the blood. We're afraid to talk about the sufferings of Christ. We want everybody to feel good, everybody to be happy, everybody to be and go home and just clap and applaud one another. Hear me. I want you to go to heaven. I want you to expend eternity with our Heavenly Father. If that means making you feel uncomfortable for a few hours throughout the year, that's okay. We need to be uncomfortable if it's gonna get us right with God. If me preaching boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ is gonna help you snatch your kids from the flames of judgment and fire and condemnation of this world, then I'm gonna preach the last breath the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why must you contend for the faith? Because your family depends upon it. Your children depend upon it. Your grandchildren yet to come depend upon it. We gotta guard this gospel. We cannot allow this gospel to be watered down. We cannot allow this word to be changed. We've been built upon the church of Jesus Christ, the Apostles' Creed and Doctrine and the church of the gospel of the Lord. And we gotta proclaim it until he comes. We're guardians of the truth. And we gotta hold forth sound doctrine and we got to hold forth that word of life because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. <laughs> Preach the gospel. Preach the word. Now this is the best part. He opens up with reminding them who they are. They're called They're loved and they're kept by God. Talking about apostate times, talking about dark times, judgment times. But then he closed with these words All glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and to bring you with great joy into his presence glorious presence without a single fault. When you read the book of Jude, sometimes you wonder, well, how in the world can I make it? How in the world can I live? How in the world can I follow Jesus? How in the world can I hold this teaching? How in the world can I guard this gospel? Hear me today. God loves you. He has called you, and he is keeping you. You're going to go through some storms, but hear me. One day, he's going to present you to his glorious presence without a single without a scratch you're not going to be marred you're not going to be contaminated by the things of this world because his power is keeping you his anointing is surrounding you and your sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ you don't have to worry about getting there and being turned away he's going to present you faultless before his throne with exceeding joy now I don't know about you But church, I've been in the storm. I've been in some fiery furnaces. I've been in some places where I felt like I was knocked down. I felt like I was pushed down. But this word tells me I'm coming through without a stain. I'm coming through without a spot. I'm coming through without a single sin because I'm kept by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm kept by the power of the Lord Himself. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to arrive safely to our home in the name. Worthy is the Lamb.